I'm ready for anything today. Hallelujah. I am ready for anything God wants to do. And I have my faith set. And I truly believe that He can do all things. All things are possible to who? To Him who believes. Are you believing today? I am too. I am too. I'm going to continue on with the message, It's Time to Thrive, Not Just Survive, Part 2. See, far too many people today are submitting themselves to the limitations of the world. And you remember we talked Wednesday night. Ye are of God. Ye are of God. You are not subject to the limitations of this world. People think, oh, I'm just too small to make a difference. I mean, the evil is abounding. What can I do? Some people limit themselves because of their past or their present experiences. You ever talk to yourself? Uh, not now, but have you ever gone through times in your life where you said, oh, I've sinned, I, you know, I've blown it. God can't use me. I've been through a divorce. I filed bankruptcy. I committed sexual sin. I've had an injury. I'm too old. I failed too many times. Too many times. You don't understand. Well, I don't care if you fail a thousand times. You're a thousand times smarter because you've learned something every time you failed. Those thoughts, our mind can produce them. If, we, if you're a down-on-yourself kind of person, your mind will produce those. But Satan is the inspiration behind those kind of thoughts. The accuser of the brethren is Satan, and he hurls those accusations repeatedly. He hurls. If you won't take this one, he'll say, he'll say that, oh, you're too sick. You're too this. And you go through everything that's wrong with you, and I'm too whatever. And he says, oh, and, and you forgot to mention that you're too fat. Your mama dressed you funny, and you have ugly knees. I mean, he just will keep hurling and hurling and hurling anything that you'll listen to. But I'm just saying, shut up, devil. Shut up. We can disqualify ourselves from great things by what's in our minds. And then when we do, you'll say things like, well, the way it is, is just the way it's going to be. It is what it is. There's nothing I can do. But I want to encourage you today, and I want to say, if you don't succumb, you will overcome. If you don't succumb, you will overcome. What does it mean to succumb? It means fail to resist pressure, temptation, or some other negative force. Succumb implies to give way to someone or something 
that you can no longer resist. It implies weakness and helplessness. I think of the horror stories of so many wives who have lived their lives in terror because of an abusive husband, a violent husband. In their minds, there was simply no way of escape. And, you know, we all find ourselves at places where it's like, I don't know what else to do. I don't, I don't really see anything that I can do. And, and quite frankly, we were at that point when we made Jesus Christ the Lord of our lives. We had come to the end of what Wal and Pam could do. We needed a Savior. And we, you have a Savior. You have a healer. You have a deliverer. And as a believer, we can face the same experiences that we did when we were unsaved. But now we can say, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. All things. All things. Amen. And First John 4, 4, ye are of God. We, we talked about this Wednesday night. Ye are of God, little children, and have, have, past tense, have overcome them. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We have to make verses like this our confession. However, in doing so, I want, I want to stress the importance of the power of your confession is found in your obedience and relationship to Jesus Christ. It's not just saying stuff. It's knowing somebody. It's in the secret place of the Most High where you find that revelation that I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. And it's not just you saying it anymore. It's like all of heaven is roaring it on the inside of you. It's the emphasis on Philippians 4.13. Put that back up there a minute, if you will, please. The emphasis on Philippians 4.13 is not in the I can. It's in through Christ. I can through Christ. There's all kinds of positive uh, affirmations and uh, you're great, I'm great, and this kind of stuff. What in the world, you know, in, in secular motivation. But I can do all things through Christ. That just keeps us humble, doesn't it? Keeps us from getting the big head. Some people take the Bible and make a lot of confessions and declarations and even demands, and they somehow think that the power is just in their words. But the power is not just in your words, although there is tremendous power in your words. The power to move mountains, to drive out devils, to break strongholds, is not just in seeing words. It's in him. It's through Christ. The power is him backing up your words. Amen. The power is in him loving you so much that when you speak, he releases his power as you speak his word. The power is not simply in what you confess, but in whom you possess. In these days that we've been chosen to live in, 
We need his strength. I mean, to endure. These are difficult times. There are very complex problems in the earth today. We need his strength. We need the through Christ, don't we? Because he will enable us to not grow weary and faint in our minds. That's where it begins. We faint in our minds before we ever fail in life. We faint in our minds. The devil wants to influence your mind. He wants to oppress you. He wants to suppress you. And he wants to bring you into a place of bondage and hopelessness. Um, I want to share a story of my friend, Melissa. This is Melissa. Isn't she beautiful? She is so beautiful. She, they, they've sat right here on this front row one Sunday in this church. Got, they live clear over in Daytona Beach. Got up at four o'clock in the morning and drove four and a half hours to be here for service. Wonderful, wonderful family. Eddie, Melissa, and Rebecca. Um, Melissa is an overcomer. She could have been one of those who succumb, but she chose to overcome. And when I think of somebody that could have had every opportunity to faint in her mind, somehow she didn't. Melissa was raised in a very strict home. She was not allowed to go out and do wild things. She had strict parents, and they protected her. But at age 15, Melissa decided she wanted to have some fun. She see all the other kids, they're having some fun. I want to have some fun. So she decided to sneak out and go to a party. And uh, she went to the party, and she was just having the best time And it was definitely something her parents would not have approved of, but she snuck out and did it anyway. Well, while she was at the party, of course, she met Mr. Prince Charming. And, oh, he just was so sweet and so wonderful. And and, um, he offered to drive her home. And she said, okay. But what Melissa did not know, that Mr. Charming was a sex trafficker. He abducted her. And for the next, I don't know how long a period of time, Melissa was locked up and sold. She told me one time, she said, I survived because in spite of everything that was happening to me, In my mind, I would go somewhere else while it was happening. And she wasn't even a Christian at that point in time. So this wasn't a spiritual, you know, revelation. But she learned how to do that just to cope with what was happening to her. Well, at one point in time, she was locked 
in this place and, and there was a gate that had a, a padlock on it where she couldn't get out. And she was there by herself and she happened to see that when her captors had left, they did not push the lock all the way down in. And the gate was unlocked. Well, Melissa went out and she opened that gate and God spoke to her and he said, run, Melissa, run. And she ran and they had moved her from place to place and, and sold her in different places. Well, the last place that she was when she got out of there and she ran down the road, there were these big, um, it, um, what do they call them? Like on the docks, these big shipping vessels, you know, where they ship human trafficking people to different places in different countries to sell them. And, um, she was that close to being shipped probably to some other country. But God said, run, Melissa, run. And I'm not going to go on and on and tell her whole story, although it's so fascinating. But she was messed up. And after that experience, she got into drinking and drugs and wrong relationships. And I mean, she just anything to ease the pain. But one time her friend told her to go to a Rodney Howard Brown meeting. And for what reason she did not know she went. And when they gave the invitation to be saved, Melissa went forward. And this man was the counselor who came to talk to the people who came forward. And Melissa, you've seen these people at Billy Burke meetings numerous times. I mean, they, you didn't know the story, did you? No, no, but hardly anybody does. But this man was the counselor. Long story short, they ended up falling in love, and they are totally sold out to God. They go everywhere preaching and teaching people how to win souls, going out into the streets. They're involved in helping other people who have been um, slaves to sex trafficking. And so what could have been a horror story that would have destroyed her life, she found Jesus. And she is an overcomer. She is an overcomer. These are evil days. And I know I've read this scripture several times in here, but... I think it's important that we understand the days that we are living in. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 4. But understand this. When you see these things happening, don't throw up your hands and say, I don't understand what's going on in the world. Understand this. That in the last days will come and set in. Perilous times of great stress and trouble, hard to deal with. And hard to bear. For people will be lovers of self and utterly self-centered. Lovers of money and aroused by an inordinate, greedy desire for wealth. Proud and arrogant and contemptuous boasters. They will be abusive, blasphemous, scoffing, 
disobedient to parents. I don't understand what's wrong with my kids. Understand this. It's the last days. Ungrateful, unholy, profane. They will be without natural human affection, callous and inhumane. Selling people. Selling people. Murdering little babies in the womb. Having sex with little children. They are without natural human affection. Callous and inhuman, relentless, admitting of no truce or appeasement. They will be slanderers, false accusers, troublemakers, intemperate, loose in morals and conduct, uncontrolled and fierce haters of good. Fierce haters of good. Boy, we're in that day. They will be treacherous, betrayers, rash, and inflated with self-conceit. They will be lovers of sensual pleasures and vain amusements more than and rather than lovers of God. We are in this time. And we are here for a reason. God chose you to be here to make a difference when all this hits the earth. I don't care how much darkness we see on the earth. I don't care how much pressure we endure. We cannot give up. It doesn't matter how many times we may have failed in the past. It's time for a new beginning. The Lord says, I'm doing a new thing. Can't you see it? Can't you receive it? He's doing a new thing. It's time to thrive, not just survive. It's time not to succumb, but to overcome. I love stories about overcomers, as you can tell. I love them. It's amazing to me to see the tenacity of the human spirit. Even some without God. Just the tenacity of the human spirit is amazing to me. But with God, oh baby, we are unstoppable. I like the true story of a little boy named Milton. Milton was born September 13, 1857 in a small town. He had only one sibling. Her name was Serena, and she died from scarlet fever when Milton was only nine years old. Milton's mother's name was Fanny, and she was a devout Mennonite. And Actually, she was a daughter of a Mennonite minister, and his father, Henry, on the other hand, was a total dreamer, no work ethic, constantly moving the family around, looking for his next get-rich-quick scheme. What a pair. What a pair. So strike one. Well, and, and I will say this. There, Henry and Fanny's marriage ended. They, it did not survive. So strike one, Milton came from a total failure role model as a father and a divorced home. You know, a divorce back in the days was a big deal. I mean, that that was like, whoa, shame, taboo, you know. So Milton had no role model as a father, and he came from a divorce home. That's strike one. And because the family moved around so much, Milton went to six different schools, 
and dropped out after the fourth grade. His mother encouraged him to drop out so that he could get a job and earn a living. She probably don't want him to turn out like Henry. She wants him to work. She wants him to learn how to work. She doesn't want her son to be like his dad. So strike two. Six different schools, poor education, and a dropout after fourth grade. Melton's mom found him a job as an apprentice to a printer. Now that's, that's pretty good. And, and Milton would put the paper and the ink in the press and he was under the apprenticeship of the printer to become a printer. But Milton was bored. He didn't like it. So he quit. Milton's mom found him his job, another job. Well, first, strike three. He failed to stick with his apprenticeship and to become a printer. Okay? Then his mother found him another job as an assistant to a candy maker. And he learned how to make all sorts of candy, caramels, fudge, and peppermints. And Milton just loved this job. What young person wouldn't, huh? <laughs> Making candy. And he, Milton decided, I have found out what I want to do with my life. And at age 19, Milton decided to start his own candy business. He borrowed money from his aunt and uncle to get the business open, and he sold all sorts of candy, nuts, and ice cream. But unfortunately, no matter how hard Milton worked, he could not make a profit, and so the business had to be shut down. Strike four, he failed at the candy business. He moved to Colorado with his, to be with his dad. His dad was working on a ranch. Milton tried working on a ranch. He hated that. But he found a job with another candy maker. And um, he learned that fresh milk made the best candy. And so Milton moved to New York, and he opened another candy shop. Well, it failed, too. So, strike five. Once again, he fails in the candy business. He moved back to where he was, was born, and he opened another candy shop selling only car- caramels. And he succeeded, and he opened up candy stores all over the country. He was very successful, and he was rich now. And what did he do? Live happily ever after on his riches? No. He decided to sell his thriving business because he had another idea of something else he wanted to try. So strike six. He walked away from an extremely successful business, a sure thing, to in order to reach for a dream out here. Hmm. Milton, my goodness. Milton decided that he would buy a big factory. The only problem was that this big factory was way, way, way far from any town. And it was way out in the country. And people said, Milton, you are crazy. People could not even drive to work and back home in the same day. You, This factory is too far away from everything and everybody. Milton said, yeah, I see that problem. So 
Milton, they said, where would your workers live? So Milton not only bought the factory, he started building some houses for his workers. And he even built a town. He built houses. He built a post office. He built churches. And he built schools. The town is still there today. And his candy is still selling everywhere. Milton Hershey. Milton Hershey. Milton and his wife could not have children, but they invested and helped all kinds of schools and helped many, many children. And to this day, the Milton Hershey School is a cost-free private school and a home for children from lower-income families located in Hershey, Pennsylvania. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. Milton overcame all the strikes against him and fulfilled his dreams. For a man with a dream, yes. or a woman with a dream, no height is too extreme. I remember years ago praying this prayer. Lord, dream your dream through me. I don't trust my dream. It can turn into a nightmare. But Lord, dream your dream through me. And I also prayed, Lord, when we were in ministry, keep us on the front lines of what's happening now in your kingdom. I don't want to be stuck over here doing something that the Spirit of God is not doing and he has moved on. That is a boring place to be. I want to be in the smack dab center of what's happening now in God's kingdom. And God God has honored that prayer through the years. Pastor Walt and I have worked for so many great men and women of God. It's just for two little inner city kids who grew up in a poor neighborhood who never even imagined that we would go anywhere, that we would ever know anybody of significance. We have worked for Kenneth Copeland, Jerry Savelle, Mike Murdoch, Benny Hinn, Mike Atkins, Tammy Faye Baker, Rod Parsley's ministry helped us by in writing up our bylaws and all kinds of information for starting our church. John Osteen gave us every book and tape on his tape table, had me to sing and Walt to share from the pulpit at Lakewood Church, and provided us a place to stay whenever we were in Houston. Yes, Paul and Jan Crouch selected us to host the Praise the Lord program. In Indiana for 14 years. Jerry Savelle paid the entire cost to renovate another building. Kenneth Copeland bought our building for us, our church building, when we needed a church building. Jerry Savelle paid the entire cost to renovate another building that was given to our ministry. Amazing men and women sat, stood behind the pulpit in our little inner city church in Indianapolis. 
Several of them became really, really good friends. Your pastors, David and Scarlett Horton, have opened up their pulpit to us. Earlier in life, Walt and I only dreamed of going two places. We wanted to go to Hawaii, and we wanted to go to Israel. Well, we went to Hawaii. Benny Hinn took us with him for a crusade. All expenses paid. Top of the line, everything. Mike Murdoch paid for us to go to Israel. And this is not bragging. I hope you understand this is not bragging. This is just what God can do. God can connect you with anybody he wants you connected to at any time and give you any kind of opportunity that you need. Benny Hinn took us numerous places in America and took Pastor Walt to um, Osaka, Japan and Singapore. Uh, Mike Murdoch took us to Israel, took us twice to Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. See, I don't know what dreams you have. Maybe you've laid some of them down. It's time to pick them back up. Because God has wonderful things planned for you. For you. You have a purpose. You have a cause. We have promises of strength and health and favor and prosperity. Amen? Isaiah 60, verse 1, and I'm almost done here. Arise from the depression and prostration in which circumstances have kept you. Rise to a new life. Shine. Be radiant with the glory of the Lord. For your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Whatever you need to get the job done has already been given to you in the form of a seed. So plant it. Whatever you can do, plant it. Plant your talents. Plant your abilities. Plant your prayers. Plant your dreams. Press in and go for the best. Don't succumb. Overcome. Proverbs 10.22, the blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow with it. Deuteronomy 8.18, but thou shalt remember, 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 remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swear unto thy fathers as it is this day. Remember, what do you want to remember? You want to remember that if you have money, that it is God who gave it to you. You want to remember, if you don't have any money, that it is God who gives you the power to get wealth. And nine times out of ten, that power comes from helping other people. That power comes when you decide to... Get your eyes off of yourself and say, who can I help? Who can I reach out to? Who can I call and encourage? How can I sow this seed of my life into this hurting world and make a difference? 
make a difference. Whatever my age, whatever time I have left on this planet, I want to make a difference. I want to help people. Thank you, Lord. Let's just lift our hands. Oh, God, we just surrender to you today. Father, you've been so good to us. You've invested your best, Jesus, into our lives, Lord. And we want to live life to the fullest. We want to stand before you someday and hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. Lord, open our eyes to the limitless possibilities around us, God. Make us kingdom-minded. Lord, you said that the, the harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. God, we want to be laborers in your harvest. Use us. Here am I, Lord. Send me. Send me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And if you're watching today and you've never said that forever, yes to Jesus. Right now is the time. Say, Lord, I'm yours. I'm yours. I give my life to you. I believe that you went to the cross and died for my sins and that you rose from the grave to give me a new life. I receive you, Jesus. I make you Lord of my life. I say Jesus is Lord. I'm all yours, Lord. I'm all yours. Hallelujah. 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 I, you know, I, I, I'm going to ask God right now for each and every one of you, for him to drop something into your spirit that he sees that maybe you've seen or maybe you haven't seen. But that something that you have that's a seed for the harvest of the life that God has dreamed for you. Lord, I just pray for each one here right now, right at this moment. God, open the eyes of our heart. Lord, dream your dream through us. Let us never limit you through unbelief, God. I ask you right now, for every single person in this room and every person watching, to deposit something in us that can make a difference in someone's life and change this world with your power. We can do all things. Through Christ who strengthens us. I pray for renewal, revival of youth. You said that our youth would be renewed like the eagles. Lord, I just pray for youth renewal in bodies and in minds. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The Lord told me to lay hands on you, Frank. I'm just going to come behind you here. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just send your power, your word, and your resurrection life 
into Frank today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Oh, hallelujah. Just as the Holy Spirit entered that tomb and brought resurrection life to Jesus, I speak resurrection life to every cell in Frank's body for his hearing, for his mind, for his health. God, this couple, this couple is ordained by you and they have seen wonderful things, God. But I pray that you will use them in even more mighty ways before they stand before you, Lord Jesus. The work is not done yet. The work is not done yet. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I don't know what you two are called by God to do, but it's bigger than you've ever allowed yourselves to realize and recognize. Show them, God. Show them who they are. And show them who they can become. Who they can become. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Master. Kathy, I've given you this word before, but the Lord has just want me to encourage you that as you have sown into others, as you have laid down your life to help other people, God has seen everything you've done. And he will reward you openly. So believe for it. Believe for it and receive it. Receive it. Receive it. Thank you, thank you, Jesus. People of this church, your faithfulness has come up before God Almighty. And he will reward you. I believe it is due season. And extraordinary things are going to start happening. And your faithfulness, your faithfulness, those of you who have been here, who have carried the load who have done 15 jobs apiece, God's going to reward you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And Lord, we just pray for this church. We pray for this community that a wave of your glory will sweep through and that people will be saved and raised up. That some will become part of this church, some part of others. But, Lord, that it will all be to the praise of your glory in Jesus' name. And we pray before we leave today, God, we just bring America before you. And we say, thy will be done. Thy kingdom come, oh God. We need you. We repent of our sins. We bring down the wickedness in high places, the strongholds of abortion, homosexuality, racism, perversion, greed, murder, violence. This is our country, Satan. In Jesus' name, we speak.
speak the glory of God and revival over America and protection over each one, Lord, each one in this room, God, and their families and over this nation, your protection, your hand. You made America great. No man that can make America great. You made America great. And our eyes are on you. And we need you. We need you, God, in this country. In Jesus' name, we thank you. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God bless America. Land that I love. Stand beside her and guide her through the night with the light from above. From the mountains to the prairies to the ocean white with I want to ask uh, a prayer request for a special friend of ours named Jill. Um, she, Jill has had a, had a cancer battle, and she's done really, really well, and she's been very, very upbeat. But just in the past few days, this, this attack has come back. She's been in the hospital, and they're, they say they're sending her to hospice. Jill is a, a woman of the Lord. She's a, she's a strong believer so right now, in the name of Jesus, I just send the word to Jill Sexton. God, I pray that she will live and not die. Lord, she's a voice for you. And I pray that that voice will not be snuffed out. Satan, cancer, sickness, disease, go. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Anybody else have a prayer need today? You know, I think I think we need to pray more in the house of God. Jesus said my house will be a house of prayer and I think we need to pray more in the house of God. I have a request for a man named Jimmy. Uh he and his wife are just precious Christian people. The other night of church night he went on to church, and she didn't feel like going. And when he came home, she was dead. Oh, my. Beautiful Christian lady. So pray for Jimmy. Yes. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just lift up Jimmy to you. God, these kind of things are horrible. And there, there, there's no Christian cliches or words that we can say. But your love and your supernatural peace and strength And comfort is the only thing that can help Jimmy. And we just send that to him right now. We release him from despondency and despair and hopelessness. And we just pray, God, that we, that you will surround Jimmy with people 
who will love him and hold him up. And Lord, that he will realize that this, this is not the end, but that you still have a plan for him. In Jesus' name. No spirit of grief will break this man and destroy and wreck the rest of his life. Yes, people, we do, we, we do grieve when we lose someone we love, but we will not be destroyed and Jimmy will not be destroyed by grief. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Anybody else? All right, then, Lord, I just pray your blessing over each and every person here. And, God, I just pray that your spirit has made a difference in our lives today, that we've been uplifted, we've been encouraged, we've been strengthened, and that we will take that out and share it. In Jesus' name, amen. To the praise of your glory. Hallelujah. Y'all been a good crowd today. You're easy folks to preach to. And I love that. I can't say that everywhere I've been. (laughs) Praise God.